Good morning. We are so glad that you can be with us at Central Church today. So, and I got thinking, today is, uh, technically I started on November 1st, 2013, so this is the last day of my eighth year. Tomorrow begins my first year, or my first day of my ninth year being your pastor, and I've thought about that, and oh, stop it, and I thought about that, and... You know, we've had, as tomorrow All Saints Day, we've had in my eight years, you know, wonderful saints who have gone on to glory um, uh, through this time. You know, Thurman Jones and, and Keith Burba and, and this week was Annalie Swartz, Denny and Annalie Swartz, what wonderful saints of the Lord. Uh, they were a Betty Fall, wonderful missionary from our church. Uh, we've had some great, great, and I'm, I'm skipping a million, a million people. Dean Rice, I talked about him last Sunday even. Uh, we've had some great saints of the Lord that have gone, gone on to glory since, since I've been here. And, and this series, it's leading up, you know, to our 100th anniversary, which reminds me on uh, November 20th, November 19th is the Collinsworth concert, November 20th in the morning, we're having kind of a memories brunch. Dr. Uh, Spruce, Jim Spruce, former pastor, Dr. Glenn Gardner, uh, Dr. Greg Chenoweth, president of Olivet Nazarene University, Clara Rath will be here. They'll all be sharing that morning. And we'd love for you to be present and to be a part of that. But you need to get, they're free, but we need to know how many people are coming and we need to know what room we're having this gathering in. And so our tickets are the way to do that. And so this morning, this morning, this morning, pick up some tickets at the information desk. They're free. Just say, hey, we need two, we need four, we need eight, we need 12, whatever you need. And get them, get them, get them, get them today so we know how to plan for that day. It's going to be a great morning. And then, of course, the 100th anniversary is the 21st, and that's going to be a great day. All those folks will be with us on the 21st as well. And, and Dr. David Busick, our general superintendent, will, will be with us that day. So it's going to be a great, great weekend, just three weeks away. I can't believe it. We've been planning this for <laughs> practically two years, and it's finally getting here. But we're leading up to that, talking about this Imagine season. That's going to be celebrating our 100 years. And really, Imagine is imagining what our next 100 years is going to look like and what kind of church we're going to be in the next 100 years. You know, it was on this day. This day is also, it's Halloween. It's uh, the day before All Saints Day. It's also Reformation Day. On this date, 504 years ago today, October 31st, 1517, a guy by the name of Martin Luther went to the, the, the uh, church door in Wittenberg, Germany and pounded 95 theses to the, the door talking about uh, 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 some of the, the ways the church had gotten off track. It was the beginning of the Great Reformation. And, and what was going on in that, that season was the Pope, Pope Leo X, was trying to build St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. And if you've ever been to St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, I've been there twice. It's very beautiful, very expensive. And so he was trying to raise money to build St. Peter's Basilica, and the way he was doing that was selling indulgences. What that meant was that he was selling, uh, uh, you could pay for, for a lesson time in purgatory if you bought those in, indulgences. Or maybe grandma's time in purgatory. No one wants grandma to spend time in purgatory. We don't even believe in purgatory. But anyway, they were selling that. Basically, in essence, salvation was for sale. And Martin Luther came along and pounded his 95 theses in the, in the door at Wittenberg and said, no, 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 it's so lafitte. He was reading Romans. 
And he came to the conclusion, no, 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 it's not indulgent. You can't buy your way in and out of purgatory or heaven. No, it's sola fide, faith alone. And that's the only way in, it's faith alone. And so began the Great Reformation. Pastor, why are you talking about that nice history lesson? We're talking about imagine. Well, the, the problem, the problem, the problem back in 1517 was the church and so many people got their priorities messed up. Guess what? It's so easy for us to get our priorities messed up. That's what we're talking about today on this third one. We began this journey, and the big idea when we began uh, two weeks ago was a follow. It said, imagine a community of believers where everyone is following Jesus with their whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. Imagine how such a church might impact their neighborhood and overflow into the workplaces and school. Imagine the difference such a church could make. Last week, we talked about trust. The big idea with that was imagine living in complete and total trust in the Lord. Imagine relying on his strength even when times are difficult. And imagine his power at work in you always. Imagine what that would look like the entire church. All of us, likewise, were completely trusting in him. And now today, priorities. Imagine organizing one's life with an eye on eternity. Priorities, right? Rather than the fleeting worries of this world. Now imagine what that would look like if the entire church, all of Central Church, did the exact same thing. What are the priorities we are talking about? What are the priorities of Jesus? That's what we're really focusing on today. What are the priorities of Jesus? Well, Jesus tells a one-verse parable in Matthew chapter 13. If you have your Bible, you can look at this one-verse parable. Matthew 13, 44, talks a little bit about priorities. This is what Jesus said. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold everything he had and bought that field. There's the parable, one verse. This guy finds a treasure hidden in a field. He finds it, reburies it, goes out, sells everything he's got, his house, his camel, his clothes, everything that he's accumulated all in life. Why? Because he knows that treasure is so much more valuable. Every time he sells one thing, it's like, I'm one step closer. I'm one step closer to that field. I got to sell it. I got to sell it. I got to sell it. Sell something else. Yahoo, I'm selling it. One step closer to that field. Everything, everything takes second place to purchasing that field so he can get that treasure. And Jesus' point is, that's his priority. That's priority number one. There's not even a priority number two. Number two is so far back, it it doesn't even matter. No, that's his sole focus. His sole priority is getting that field, getting that treasure. And there's something interesting in that brief one-verse parable that Jesus tells. Did Did you catch that one phrase? He says, in his joy, he sold everything he had. That following Jesus, trusting Jesus, prioritizing the things that Jesus prioritizes should be something that brings us joy. You know, I know we're talking imagine, and I know that, that leads to, to finances, and that's where, where, where this is. It's the season of generosity. And so often it's like, oh, preacher's talking about money. He talked about money two weeks ago. He's talking about money again. Uh. But this guy, his priority was in his joy. It should be joyful, joyful following Jesus, joyful trusting in Jesus, in his joy, joyful prioritizing the things that Jesus prioritizes. It's the same concept, really, that, that Paul is talking about in Philippians chapter 3. In Philippians 3, Paul says this, everything else, 
what's on the word. I'll read what's on the words instead of what's in my Bible here. I change versions. Everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it as garbage. My version here says, counting it as rubbish. Neither translation is great. The literal, literal translation of that word garbage, rubbish, rubbish, is something much more earthy, something that would have gotten my mouth washed out with soap if my mom was still around. Everything else is a piece of doo-doo. <laughs> That's what it would be. Could I say doo-doo in church? I don't know. My mom's rolling over a grave even for saying that. Paul is saying, everything else compared to Jesus? Are you kidding me? Everything that I've accumulated, everything else in life, all of my priorities take second place to Jesus. Everything else is worthless. He's saying, in my joy. It's the same concept. In my joy. It's joyful when I discover and my priorities line up with Jesus' priorities. In my joy, it's a joyful when I know that I can trust in Jesus no matter what comes down the road. In my joy, it's joyful when I'm listening to Jesus and doing what he says, following Jesus. It's joy. We see this priorities concept in two encounters that Jesus has with two different people, two rich people that Jesus has. The first rich guy is in Matthew 19, it's a story we're very familiar with. A guy comes up to him with the big question, the very big question that everybody always asks. What do I got to do for eternal life? Boil it down for me, Jesus. What's it take? What's it take for eternal life? Just give it to me straight. What's it going to take? And Jesus says, okay. In verse 21, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Jesus issues this rich dude a challenge. All right, what's it going to be? What's your priorities going to be? Me or money? You decide. What's it going to be? And verse 21 or 22 is this, one of the saddest verses. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. And we've heard this story, and you know, you've heard preachers preach on this story so many times. You think, well, I'll never be me. <laughs> no way. I never choose money over Jesus. Of course not. I'm going to choose Jesus every time. I'll never choose Jesus. Money over Jesus? I don't know. I know plenty of people who, who spend more on coffee and music in a year than they, they give to the kingdom of God. I know plenty of people who spend more on vacations than they give to the kingdom of God. I know plenty of people who've been called into ministry and yet we're sucked into to, uh, a, another profession that provided much more than what, you know, preachers make. This rich guy walked away sad. What a sad commentary. I thought money brought you happiness, not this guy. The second rich guy that Jesus encounters is, is very different from the first. In fact, the second rich guy, this guy, the first rich guy, he was doing everything right. It, earlier, I didn't read it, but he told Jesus that he was keeping all the commandments. I mean, he was doing everything right. The second rich guy, he was doing everything wrong. In fact, everyone would have thought that he was a traitor. He was terrible. He was awful. He was awful, 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 awful. His name is Zacchaeus. You know his story. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And what that meant was Zacchaeus was in cahoots with the Roman government. He was a government contract employee. He could take as much money as he wanted from individuals after he collected their, their, their individualized tax. And he had two Roman thugs that, that helped him to enforce that. It was, it was a, a stealing, really. He was making money hand over fist. He was rich, super rich. He was also hated, super hated. 
And so when Jesus was coming to his town, short in stature, Zacchaeus climbed up a sycamore tree wanting to see Jesus, knowing that no one would want him to be around. So he got kind of out of sight, out of mind, except not out of sight of Jesus. When Jesus got right underneath that tree, he looked up and said, hey, Zacchaeus, come into your house. The onlookers thought that that was just such a faux pas. How could you go to Zacchaeus' house? He's a traitor, he's a thief, he's a tax collector. But Zacchaeus was so overwhelmed by the inclusion of Jesus, so overwhelmed that Jesus would, would stop and, and actually have a conversation with him. His response was overwhelming, and in Luke 19 he says, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, he's cheated everybody out of everything. <laughs> if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Jesus didn't ask him to give away everything that he had collected, like he did the, the, the first guy. Zacchaeus, because of his encounter with Jesus, uncoached, intuitively, it just sprang forth out of him. That's what happens when we encounter Jesus. That's what happens when we start following Jesus. That's what happens when we start trusting in Jesus. Our priorities change. And Zacchaeus said, listen, Lord, I'm going to give away. I'm going to give back everything that I've stolen. I'm going to give it back four times as much. And I'm going to give away half of everything else that I got. He's doing exactly what the first guy refused to do. His encounter with Jesus so drastically changed him that generosity just kind of sprang up within him. And Zacchaeus discovered that life isn't about what, what, what I could collect. Life is about who I'm serving. What's important? That's the big question. And Zacchaeus discovered what's important. It's following after Jesus. It's trusting in Jesus. It's prioritizing Jesus. It's interesting, had you encountered both of those guys, the rich young ruler and Jesus, or and Zacchaeus, before they met Jesus, you would have thought, you would have concluded, you would have said, well, the guy who's going to be walking away sad is going to be Zacchaeus. Look at his life. Look what he's done. He's a thief. And the guy who's going to be walking away happy has got to be the rich young ruler. He's kept all the commandments from since he was a child. And yet it was just the opposite. Really, I think the question becomes, the question in your book, is what am I doing with my life? that will have lasting impact? Am, am, I, am I behaving, am I, am I prioritizing like the rich young ruler, or am I prioritizing like Zacchaeus after he met Jesus? You already know this, but I'll just say it anyway. You know, October is Pastor Appreciation Month. I appreciate our pastors so much. We have such a great team of pastors here. And, and they are living examples of what we're talking about right now, to be real honest. They could all be doing something else with their life. They could all be, you know, out, out uh, uh, making money, more money than certainly what we're paying them. I remember when I was in high school, I signed yearbooks, Rob Prince, U.S. Senator, 1998. I thought I was going to be a U.S. Senator by 35. <laughs> I don't think that happened. Um, you know, we lured Pastor Gildner away from a sporting goods company. He didn't come here because of the money. And Pastor Tyler, he was in one school uh, learning how to become a millionaire and he ended up going to Olivet learning how to become a pastor. It's not the same pay scale. 
Dr. Anthony right down here, he was, he was moving up in Michigan Bell when God called him. Our pastors could be doing something else with their life. And they are so, they are so stinking faithful. You know, in this Imagine Initiative, I, we've told you before, if this is your first Sunday here, I'll tell you again, or I'll tell you for the first time, you who've been here the last two weeks, you know, there is zero arm twisting in this, zero guilt trips, zero, you know, zero obligations. It's, it, we're, what we're doing is asking people to pray, to seek God, to use these, these prayer cards. They're, uh, they're not commitment cards, they're prayer cards right now. They'll be commitment cards on November 14th. But right now they're prayer cards, and we're asking you to pray about, pray about, pray about what God would have you to do in this initiative. And so we did the same thing with the pastors. Pastors, same thing. No obligation, no arm twisting. Said, hey, just pray about it, what, what God would have you to do. They knew that today, right now, I was going to tell you what they've decided to do. So we've got 10 pastors at our church. And every one of them is participating in this. And everyone prayed about it. And when you add up the total... It's $160,000 that your pastors are committing to this. That's 5% of the total of what we're trying to win. Again, none of them are independently wealthy. I don't think any of them are millionaires. I know what we're paying them. They're all making a sacrifice. You can do the math, $160,000. You can do the math. It's pretty easy to figure out what their average, what the average is that our pastors, your pastors, are giving towards this. They're all in. They are all into what God is doing in this place. I told you that today I would let you know how Carla and I came to our total. And uh, this is what happened. So several months ago, we were talking about doing this, right? So we are talking about uh, how we can eliminate our debt and build Central Park and spruce up some of the areas that are getting worn out. And, and so I said, well, you know, is this the right time? We're in the middle of a pandemic. And we're talking, Carla and I were just talking at home one day. And, and she came to this. She said, well, Rob, this is going to cost us some money. And if we're going to do this, it's going to cost us some money. And, uh, yeah, it's going to cost us some money. And she said, so what do you think we're going to have to do? Now, I knew what was in my head. I just didn't know what was in her head. Carla is the one that does the bills in our family. And Carla, if you don't know my dear sweet wife, she is frugal. Some would say, some would say the word isn't frugal. She is cheap. And so... Uh, uh, I can say that. She's in the second service. She brings her mom to the second service. She, I can say whatever I want right now. Uh, some would say she is, she is on the edge of... So, Rob, what do you think we're going to do? I don't know. What do you think we're going to do? And she said a number. And I said to my dear, sweet, cheap, frugal wife. Wait. My dear, sweet, cheap, frugal, faithful wife. Carla is so extremely faithful and I'm so blessed to have her as my wife. And I said, well, baby, I was thinking about doubling that number. And without missing a beat, my dear, sweet, frugal, faithful wife said, okay. That's what you think we can do. What that amounts to, just so you know, is, you know, we pay our tithe. We're not robbing Peter to pay Paul. We pay our tithe 10%. We give to missions another percent. And then we're going to, for our, our next, you know, our first year of this campaign's campaign, we're going to give 20%, so 30%, over 30% of our income. And I'm telling you that not to be whatever. 
I'm telling you that to say we're all in. Saying what is going to be our lasting impact? What are we here for? What will our legacy be? Listen to Bev Weber. She's going to tell you a little bit about her legacy. I'm Bev, my husband's Don, and we've been in this church 53 years. Don and I were together in our marriage from age 15. I thought to myself, what is my life going to be? I wasn't a happy married person. I wasn't a happy mother. I had a drinking problem, two-pack smoking habit a day. But Don's family were Christian people, and they prayed for me. Linda which is Don's sister. She was a prayer warrior and a worship person. She says, you've got to accept Jesus. You've just got to get right with the Lord. He has a plan for you. I can remember listening to Billy Graham on TV and being under conviction, and I began to read 2 Peter. One October 18th, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I was under such conviction, I tell you, I was bawling. And I ran upstairs two steps at a time, threw myself on the bed, and I screamed, God, help me. I can't live like this anymore. Please help me. And I want, I want you to know that my salvation is just, just as fresh today as it ever, ever was. I've never forgotten the day that I knelt at that bed. The Lord was saying, just come on unto me. I'll, I'll take care of you. And I got up off my knees, and I have never been the same since. And that Sunday, I said to Don, we're going to church. God began to use me in places. God laid his hand on me to teach Bible study ministry. And for 25 years, I taught here at Central. Don got interested in uh, missions, and we went to Russia 12 times and began to build a friendship with those women. It was, it was wonderful. You know, the Holy Spirit empowers you. You don't have to plan anything. When He gets a hold of you, He just inspires you to do that. My story has nothing to do with me. My story is obedience to the whole will of God and how rich and wonderful it is. I am a new creature in Christ, and we need to see more of that. Where once I was blind, now I see. And I want to see that. I want to see people seeking God. Um, if there's anything that, that I want to see is a new hunger to live a holy life. I want that for our people. I love these videos. Bev is so right. I, lo I love her story. There's so many things in, in, in that brief three-minute testimony that I love. I love how she said, said she needed Jesus. You know, how she cried out, Lord, I can't live like this. I need you. And how God came, rescued her, redeemed her. She gave the date, October 18th, 53 years ago. Praise the Lord. We want that for everybody. I love the quote that we have in the booklet. My story has nothing to do with me. My story is about obedience to the whole will of God. Praise the Lord. That's priorities. That's exactly what we're talking about.
then the last thing Bev said is my desire is that there's a new hunger to have a holy life. I want that for our people. Me too, Bev. Me too. That's, that's getting our priorities straight. That's what that's talking about. When your priorities are when your priorities are Jesus' priorities, when, you, when your will is his will, when you want what he wants, that's getting your priorities straight out. That's saying, I'm following Jesus. I'm listening to what he says. I'm trusting in Jesus. My priorities, his priorities, Christ in me. That's holiness. That's what we're talking about here. Not just for you and me, for all of us. For our church. Being the people of God. Each week, I've given you a card. And the idea is, I'm going to get, you know, here's the secret. I'm going to give you a card for four weeks. And then on the fifth Sunday, November, November 14th, you're going to bring your prayer card that's going to turn into a commitment card. So that's the whole secret. And the first week I gave out, but you don't even know who he is. That's okay. He won some World Series games for the Twins back in 1991. The idea was that we were all going to participate. We don't need somebody coming in writing a check for $3.4 million. Although, if you have $3.4 million, talk to me after the service. We don't need that. We need everyone participating. That's what the baseball card was to remind us. The football card, this is Eric Endelsack, an old lion. The football card was, man, we can be like the stinking lions and have rotten things happen to us day after day. Or Michigan. Can you believe I'm having to wear a green shirt today? Sometimes things don't go as planned. That's what the football card was to remind us. But we can still trust in Jesus. It's trusting in him, trusting in him, trusting in him. Now today, what card am I going to give you today? This is so stinking corny, I apologize in advance. Everybody, and what would, the idea is you keep those cards next to the prayer card slash commitment card, and you pray, Lord, how do you want me to participate? Lord, can I trust you? And then today's card is hockey card. This is Chris Chelios. Remember Chris? This is for you old old uh, Red Wings fan. This is a new card, but an old player, Alex Delvecchio. Remember Alex Delvecchio? Paul Coffey? I remember when he shot a goal in old... I remember, whatever. Wayne Gretzky, this is a new card that just has a player. Why am I giving you a hockey card? Here it is. This is corny. You can skate through life. Told you. Hockey, skate. You can skate through life just thinking about me, myself, and I. You can skate through life not thinking about the things of God. You can skate through life just doing whatever you want to do. But you know what? You'll end up like the rich young ruler. You may have everything this old world has to offer, but you won't have Jesus. No, the call is to prioritize our life into the things that God would have for us. That our priorities would line up with Jesus' priorities. That our will would line up with his will. That our life would line up with his life. That we would be the people of God. That all of us, all of us would seek him and follow him and trust him and prioritize the things of God. That's what we're calling you to do.